0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Ten, nine, eight, seven.
2: with Fale Presidente. Welcome aboard. For the next 90 minutes, I'll be guiding you through this crazy world of sports. On tap today is the one, the only, the great Ken Sterling from KenSterling.com, standing by in the balanced green room, as well as Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, and Tony Danu from the Tony D Podcast we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about uh, we put on the Homer Cap a little bit with the Colts and, the, and IU and the Pacers and the, Oh, by the way, it's May. The month of May is here, and, and that means the return of the Indianapolis 500. There will be fans in the stands, and I'm proud to say that I'll be uh, that I will be uh, one of them. That's for sure. So. Stand by. My name is Sarah Mark. Marquis, Al Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Uh, give us some ringy ding ding. But right around the corner is Kids Sterling from KidsSterling.com. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
0: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
3: I can't believe it. i have be playing 4-on-4 four four with a Barbershop quartet. ball,
4: the We're open, just the ball.
2: Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico.
1: Yeah
3: believe it. Geico
1: could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable Oh, hi. Uh hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's Fresh roasted, so, I um, don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le piquet, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And man. then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes—veterans causes and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. You have any? You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just gonna order it. They make it freshly roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
0: A good
3: one kind of oh, All right, welcome back to the balance. Well, name is Tom Mark Wissel, President
2: hey, Saturday morning kicking things off. Let's get things rolling. Standing by with us right now is Kid Sterling uh, from the Kent from KidSterling.com. How are you, sir? Good morning to you.
4: I'm good. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great.
2: Fantastic. Good to have you back on the show again. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Colts and the and the, and the uh, uh, NBA and some other stuff, but let's talk a, a little bit about this breaking news. I know you you had it featured on your uh, website as well, and that is uh, Colts quarterback uh, Sam Eppinger. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm s- still saying that wrong. uh was found dead in, in an apartment off uh, college campus there, what do we know about that? I mean, you know, all signs are pointing to the, the, the sad S word that we all hate to use. But, but again, there doesn't appear to be any signs of, of foul play. But that is some sad news as we start our show today.
4: Yeah, uh, really, really sad. And, and unfortunate, you know, his, his brother, uh, he and his brother, they dreamed of playing at Texas together. They did play at Texas together. Sam taken in the sixth round this year by the Colts. His brother, uh, they, they, at least, and I—I don't know. I haven't seen. I looked last night. I still don't see any cause of death. Maybe it is uh, what you were talking about, um, but just tragic. And, and I, I think that you know we can see it, 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 this dovetails so nicely with um not nicely but coincidentally this past week the Colts had the fundraiser for the uh kick the stigma of of mental health and, and mental health diseases and um you know I think more and more and especially in this age of COVID we've seen a lot of depression and a lot of mental illness and and the negative results of that uh mental illness and and so, um, you know, on one hand, you saw the Colts raise a whole lot of money uh, to fight the stigma of mental illness, and then you saw some of the ravages of mental illness at the same time, and it's all all just absolutely terrible.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it is, especially, you know, a lot of I know I'm close to my brothers, and, and I don't know if you have brothers, but everybody's close to their brothers. But, you know, to have that kind of kinship and teammate and to to have that happen – um obviously rookie uh uh rookie uh, camp is starting here with the Colts um how does that affect uh Sam uh have we heard from him has he spoken to the media what do we know about his well-being as far as you know I know he, he he's a professional he's got to put it together and but at, at some point you know he's got to like get back on the field and maybe that would be uh, kind of therap-
4: therapeutic
2: for him as well
4: well, you know, and I think being a part of the Colts, where well, the Colts have experienced loss. Yeah. And we remember Reggie Wayne's brother being mm-hmm. killed in a car and, and truck accident down in Louisiana. And uh, Gary Brackett lost a lot of family members, a brother, a father, and a mother, if I'm not mistaken, all yeah. within a three-year period. We remember Tony Dungy's son yeah. taking his own life. And, and so this is Brandon Burlsworth uh, was killed. Um, right after he was drafted in the third round back in the late 90s by the Colts. The, this is nothing new to the Colts, which is uh, unfortunate, but they're really, really good at this. And and Jim say runs an organization that really does try to be on one hand a family. Of course, it's a business and a competitive enterprise, but being a part of this family, I think, is going to benefit Sam Ellinger. And um, uh, just tragic, he lost his dad also while his dad ran a triathlon back in, I think, 2013 and, and collapsed and died. So, you know, the terrible, ill-timed loss, nothing new to Sam. Uh, I don't believe he's at rookie camp. He's one of the two rookies who hasn't signed his contract to this point, uh, I believe. And um, so, yeah, I think everything's on hold. And they understand just like Dio Odango. Um, You know, uh, and I I keep butchering the guy's last name. I mispronounced it once, Tom, and once I mispronounce it once and I get corrected, I'm never going to get it right again. So uh, apologies to everybody for getting the guy's name wrong. We'll we'll just call him Dio, (laughs) or or they they call him the Hurricane. So we'll call him the Hurricane. I know how to pronounce that. He's got the torn Achilles, and that's a physical malady that the Colts are willing to be patient with. I'm certain that they're willing to be patient with this, um, the mourning process that Sam's got to go through as he tries mm-hmm. to get back on the field. You know,
2: let's talk a little bit about Sam the player. You know, uh, just last year, earlier on the season, we, we thought he might be a Heisman candidate. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but, I, you know, I think he'll be good for the Colts. Is this a situation where this is just a good learning tool? I mean, I guess I, I want to not read into the tea leaves too much, uh, but we, we have you and I haven't had a chance to talk much about Carson Wentz and the addition to him at the, at the starting quarterback situation. I, I think we all did, didn't think he was ever going to be the franchise quarterback. Are we looking at Sam to be that? In uh, you hate to use this phrase, but do you think that this is a situation where Carson's going to be looking over his shoulder? And is the Colts that afraid of Carson's health based on what we know he did in in, uh, Philadelphia?
4: I I think it's just as simple as uh, Sam was the highest rated guy on the board and they thought, let's take him. You know, he, he, according to scouts and you can watch tape and see it yourself. he, He doesn't have a, like an nfl strength arm he's not going to be able to throw those 20 yard outs but he is a terrific competitor he's a guy that's very very smart understands the game you're going to be able to put him in a quarterback room and he's going to be able to contribute to game planning and how quarterbacks should behave in certain situations i think he's going to be very productive in that sense Uh, i think you could use him as a guy although wentz is one of those guys too that you could use him as a Brissette-type third down and one option where he can be a quarterback sneak guy. He's a good runner, uh, just not a great NFL-ready thrower. I think that Herbert is the the backup on this team for the time being, and Carson Wentz is the runaway starter. I mean, they don't have – if Carson Wentz goes down, I think basically it's all over. Fold up the tent. He, he's the number one, two, three, four, and, and once you – once you have to throw anybody else in there, I think you're going to have a problem. Um, the, the Herbert or uh, um, Eason is a completely different kind of football player where he's not very mobile. Carson Wentz can be more mobile. Carson Wentz is really, if you want a comparative, it's Andrew Locke. He extends plays mm. too long. He's very good on his feet. He can pick up yardage with his feet. He puts himself at physical risk in order to benefit the team. He's got a terrific arm. Last year it got a little wayward. You had a lot of guys playing offensive tackle for the Eagles last year. You had guys that he was thrown to who had been called up from the practice squad. It was just a nightmare season for Carson Wentz. I don't think that last year's numbers are indicative of what Colts fans are going to see this year out of him. But the question is, can he stay healthy? And do we feel good? about the level of backup quarterback that the Colts have. Back in the day, when the Colts had luck, they also had Hasselbeck. That was really smart. And Hasselbeck went out and won games for the Colts as a quarterback, was capable of being a winning quarterback. Mm -hmm. At the backup position right now, the Colts don't know what they've got. They've never seen Jacob Eason take a live snap in a preseason game because there was no preseason last year. They've never seen him in the regular season. He's never dressed for a regular season game. They just don't know what they got. And, and so it's kind of like all chips are in behind, uh, behind Wentz. So, you know, God willing, he stays healthy.
2: We'll see what happens. We'll start with Kent. We'll talk with Kent Sterling of Uh Let's, let's kind of stick on the, the uh, new quarterback theme, if you will, and just uh, go through. I know you weren't with us on the draft pick, and we'll get through some other stuff here in just a second. Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars. One, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, we have to worry about them. We have to contend with them. We're going to be playing them a few times this season. When I say we mean the Colts, this is a no-brainer. Trevor Lawrence was the easiest number one pick in recent memory, and there's a good reason why. Lawrence joins Baker Mayfield as the only two quarterbacks to earn a 90-plus PFF grade in three consecutive seasons since PFF started grading college football back in 2014. What about Trevor Lawrence as Colts fans or as uh, Jag fans? What, what are your thoughts?
4: You know, what they're going to have to do is surround him with some weapons, and they're going to have to protect him. And, and I think that they've gone, they, they've taken measures to be able to protect, but we'll see what kind of weapons they've got. It's going to be a work in progress. You, you, you're not the number one overall draft pick team because you're good at a lot of stuff. And in turning that thing around, even with a guy as dynamic as Lawrence, I think it's going to be difficult. Yeah. You have to earn that, that badge of of honor, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know whether Trevor Lawrence is going to be a guy as good as Andrew Luck was coming straight out of the draft. mm -hmm. Luck turned around the Colts from two and 14 to uh, 11 and five in that rookie year. I would be stunned if Trevor Lawrence wound up being that productive as far as Turning this, uh, pivoting that franchise from a losing franchise into a winning franchise?
2: You know, one of the stories I watched during the draft a lot, which I I, I, I thought interesting, was Justin Fields to the Chicago Bears. The Bears were initially on the outside looking in when it comes to their top quarterback situation. We thought, a lot of us thought that Justin Fields would go in the top three, uh, but it it didn't happen. I I still think, and this is my tinfoil hat going here, but I still think that what hurt him in the draft as far as being one of the top uh, five picks, if you will, was his uh, coming out, if you will, of epilepsy. Um, But I tell you what, you got to look at the Chicago Bears, but then you look at the Chicago Bears – doing exactly what they did not too long ago with Justin Fields like they did with uh, Mitch Trubisky. You're from the region up there, and you're familiar with the Bears and, and the Chicago teams. What are your thoughts about Justin Fields to the Bears?
4: The Bears have been chasing a quality starting quarterback since Sid Luckman retired in 1950. It's been 70 years since they've gotten reliable starting quarterback play Minus Jim McMahon, but he was unreliable because he was incapable of staying healthy over a long period of time. I think they overpaid in moving up nine spots. You saw the Vikings and the Jets do a deal just three spots later where the the tariff for moving up those nine spots was far less. I think Ryan Pace got fleeced. I think Justin Fields is going to be a good quarterback in the NFL but I don't think he's going to be a great one. I think uh, Bears fans are going to hold him accountable to a level of play he cannot measure up to. He has a slow release, and I think that that's going to be his bugaboo. It takes him eight-tenths of a second to release the football. I'm not talking about dropping back and getting rid of the football. I mean, once the arm motion starts, it's eight-tenths of a second for him to turn it loose for a guy like the Trevor Lawrence, it's .5 seconds. It's a half second. That's three tenths of a second that a guy is vulnerable to getting the ball poked loose and taking a sack. And I think that's going to be problematic for the Chicago Bears. I think they pace over paid for uh, Fields, and I think that that's the problem. It's not it's not grabbing Justin Fields. I think taking him at eleven is perfectly justified. But giving up another number one, giving up a four, giving up a five in order to move up those nine spots is just too high a price. And the Bears are way too eager to trade up and give away draft picks. I just think it was it was too much to trade up to get that kind of quarterback. I think he would have fallen four or five more spots potentially. And they just could have gotten a better deal. And I think that Bears fans are out of their minds as always, and Chicago media is drinking the Kool-Aid, and I just don't understand it. <laughs> I, it, it, it. Chicago used to be a really smart sports town where where the media was cynical and they understood when they were getting played, and I don't know what's happened, but I think that's gone away, and and they just slurp up the Kool-Aid up in Lake Forest where the Bears' offices are, and, uh, and I, I think it's a total shame, and I think that the guy who's going to pay the price for this is Fields, just like Trubisky was. Because Pace moved up to take Trubisky, the expectation for Trubisky went up. It it was higher, and I think that's what's going to happen here. People are going to look at at Justin Fields through that prism. Did the Bears give too much? Yes, he's not worth it.
2: You know, uh, we thought Justin Fields was probably going to end up with – a lot of people thought he was going to end up with the 49ers. A lot of people also thought Matt Jones was going to end up with the 49ers, and he ended up with the Patriots. And I think the Patriots – I don't know if – you know, a lot of people don't know about Matt Jones, if he's going to be a good fit there. I, I, I Certainly, as, as much as us as Colts fans hate to, to give credit to the Patriots and Tom Brady – He's one of the greatest to ever play the game. Mac Jones has got to feel those shoes, and those fans are looking for that to happen. Mac Jones is a, is a prototypical uh, uh, Bill of Tech type quarterback. What are your thoughts? And the, the Patriots landed a good quarterback, and they didn't even have to cheat, Kent. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, I, I think they're going to be fine, and I think Mac Jones is going to be fine. He doesn't have to walk in and be the starter day one. He can play behind Cam Newton. And, and kind of learn a little bit year one and, and see how it goes and see how the game evolves. And Belichick's going to get him ready to compete. Uh, I think that this is the way you do that. And and so, you know, I give credit to uh, – uh, and I think the 49ers have done something similar with, with Lance sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo year one. I, I think coming in and being the savior as as Fields is going to have to be because he's he ain't got to play behind Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton can't lead you to a playoff berth. But I think that the, the Patriots, they do smart things this past year notwithstanding. Uh, I think the, the Patriots are putting themselves in a position to be competitive again in the AFC East, but they've got to go some to be able to catch the Bills. The Bills are going to be good for a long time.
2: Let's get out over to the NBA, and it's certainly a, a, in our own backyard is, is a team that's imploded, and I want to refer to your story on your uh, uh the Pacers, uh, Borkington's future murky after an in-game screaming match between uh, Gaga and assistant coach. Uh, as you said, there's no putting this genie back in the bottle, but I think what we look at this, this is a, a sign of deeper and, and more troubling things inside the locker room with the Pacers. You know, just a year, year and a half ago, we saw the Pacers on the rise. Now we see them just completely off the rails, and, and they're, they're, they're a trash can fire, Kent.
4: Yeah, and, you know, I think that the responsibility for this lies with Kevin Gritchard. And I really like Kevin Gritchard, and I think he's a terrific executive. But I, I, I think about the Pacers in this way. I, I think that it, it, we all know kind of, and we've learned about this, and talking about mental health, you have you have stressors. And as those stress, you know, kind of moments stack, right, if you lose a job and you lose a family member, you know, those mm-hmm. stress moments, there are point totals and those things stack. And I think that the Pacers, being in the midst of COVID, being in the midst of of the political tumult that we kind of have, and then taking a very kind of a, a guy, the Sarge, uh, Nick McMillan, who who is a trusted leader of this team and moving on from him, because in large part, the Pacers unable to kind of vanquish any foe in the post season, you know, so you fire him and you hire a first time head coach who's never been through this before. You got a lot of stressors going on within your organization. And I don't think that that works. And I don't, it, it clearly hasn't worked. And I don't think it was fair to Nate Bjorkman. I don't think it was fair to the players. I think that, the, I really think Pritchard, in trying to do what he felt was the right thing long-term for the organization, put the organization in a lot of peril by sort of inviting all this stress into the organization as guys are leaving. You know, you had Dan Burke's gone. Uh, Billy Bano left after the season began. Popeye Jones gone a complete change of the assistant coaches. You've got scouts who have left. You've got Peter Dinwiddie gone. You've got Donnie Walsh gone. Uh, There's been a lot of change. Plus, the changes required by COVID with testing and the protocols, I think it's just been too much. And, And I really think that Kevin would have been wise to sort of sit, let Nate take another year, Nate McMillan. And then if you've got to make a change at the end of this year, Go ahead and do that, but I think he just invited too much change too quickly into the organization, and you wind up with a guy like Nate Bjorkran who's not really, who, who's not, at the very least not experienced in handling this kind of of chaos, uh, and and the weirdness of this kind of season. And and I think that it's been it's been a, really a, a mistake fraught period of time for Kevin. And I hate that because, again, I think he's a really good executive, and I think he's a very good guy.
2: Ken Sterling of KenSterling.com. Check it out. I'm going to tell you what, it's a great website for all things sports. As we get closer to and we're not going to be talking about the Pacers in the playoffs this year, obviously, um, but as we do get closer to the the playoffs and the playoffs play in, what are your thoughts on the overall playoff picture? I mean, you know, this week we heard uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley proclaim that the Warrior Steph Curry is the NBA's best player But still, the Warriors on the outside in looking into the the playoff scenarios.
4: Yeah, and, you know, the Pacers are going to make the playoffs in all likelihood. They're going to get into that goofy play-in thing that I think is totally jacked up and ridiculous. (laughs) But they're going to be the 9 or the 10 seed. And so they're going to play either, well, whatever the Wizards are, 9 or 10. They'll play in a play-in type game and then they'll play like the loser of the 7-8 game to try to become the eighth seed. It, it's just, you know, it's crackers, and it doesn't make any sense, but they're going to get in, unless somehow the Bulls catch them, which seems very, very unlikely. Um, you know, I, this is one of those years. The, the Lakers, because they haven't had great health, they might have to compete in this play-in deal. And, and so you've got guys, you've got teams – in the West, like the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Jazz, who could come out, you've got teams in the East, like like the Bucks and the Sixers, who could come out of the East and don't sleep on the Hawks, who are playing really, really good basketball. They're lost uh, to the Pacers the other night notwithstanding. But Nate McMillan's got them playing at a very high level as the interim coach. Uh, a lot of weird things can happen. The Celtics could find a way. Into, into winning a, a series or two, they're talented enough to get some things done. There, this is, I think, really this is the most wide open playoff field in the NBA maybe since 2004. You could wind up with a, a playoff team making the finals and winning the championship without an elite level player again for the first time since the Pistons did it in 2004.
2: Real quickly here, final words here. We're going to be talking here uh, in the last segment of the show with Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. I know you know Tony uh, is is going to be on talking with us about the Indianapolis 500. Obviously, it's May. We'd love to talk about the Indianapolis 500. It's it's great. The fans are going to be in the stands. Uh, we we're going to be there. Uh, we just got our tickets this week. Uh, so, but you know. We're still waiting to figure out what's going on with the media credentials, but at least we're going to be there. Last year, it was just so surreal. We were one of the thousands of people outside the the gates there at 16th and Georgetown, which I still am baffled about how all of that was able to happen, but they couldn't actually have the fans in the stand. But nonetheless, I, I see it's starting to get back to normal. I'm going to have my second vaccination here actually on the day of the Grand Prix. Um, but so the Indianapolis 500 is going to happen, 40% capacity, that's around 100,000. Uh, what, if, First of all, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, and I think Doug Bowles is, is, is trying his best, and Penske is trying his best to make this event happen, but still <laughs> 40% is going to feel pretty uh, lonely out there at, at the track.
4: Yeah, I and uh, the thing that I don't want to come off as an anti-masker. I, I wear masks wherever I go because I don't, want to, I don't want to goof people up. I don't want people to be, you know, afraid to go to the grocery store for goodness sake, for fear of catching COVID from somebody not wearing a mask. But I've been vaccinated. And, and for me to have to wear a mask, if it's like 85 degrees out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I'm one of the 135,000 people who are going to be allowed out there, and And they 're going to mandate that I wear a mask outdoors while being socially uh distant while being vaccinated that 's crazy, you know and yeah. and what i want to see I want to see somebody follow the science in this thing for god 's sake and stop acting like a hysteric and I wish that that wound up being the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I know they 've got to do things that that are necessary to make the Marion County health people and the the state of Indiana health department and the governor and the mayor and everybody happy, but uh, let's be human beings about this and understand that wearing a mask while socially distant, while outdoors, while vaccinated, is just flat-out stupid. It doesn't make any sense at all. And and I would love to see the Speedway be the people who draw a line in the sand and say, hey, look, we're not going to be dumb. We're going to do what the CDC tells us, and and we're gonna we're gonna trust the science. I, I'd love to see that happen. Now, from the event perspective, I'm thrilled that fans are going to be there. The one thing I'm really bummed about is one of my favorite days at the uh, at the media center for for mm. and I, more months of May than than I care to remember would be the day or days when Bobby Unser uh, sat up there and told stories. And and it was always, I thought, boy, somebody ought to stick a microphone over there near Robin Miller, because Robin would ask him questions, and, and Bobby Unser would tell story after story, and, and it was just so spectacular. He was such a wonderful storyteller, and so opinionated, so blunt and hysterical, and that Bobby Unser isn't going to be at the track anymore because of his passing is just, I think... Um, one of those melancholy they, they, Everybody, you know, we, we're born, we live, we die. And that's the way it goes. But, man, we're going to miss yeah. that guy out in the media center for the day or two that he would have been there. Now, have you been able to get your credentials? I haven't even applied. Oh, okay. To tell you well, truth, I, told... I have no I idea. I, you know, it, it's um, what I like doing out there, what I like doing with the radio show is going out and getting one-on-one interviews. And if I can't do that, I just feel like I'm taking up space, so I I haven't gotten a credential. Uh, I may go go to the race, but um, I'm not this year. I'm not interested in a credential.
2: Well, we haven't heard anything, and, and this will be the first year in a long time we haven't been able to get credentials. We get right, the media center is a, is a great place, and, you know, certainly one of the greats out there as far as storytelling is, is Robin Miller. We can could, we could certainly go off on, on a thing with him, uh, about him, or I should say. Kid Sterling from KidSterling.com, I appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir?
4: You know, one thing that's really kind of blown up—that's cool—is the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Ken Sterling, and we do. I times, man. You're starting to become an
2: influencer. We a video every weekday, (laughs) uh,
4: an afternoon video, uh, and sometimes there are interviews. Sometimes it's just me talking, but it's been uh, the growth has been exponential over the last two, three months, and and uh, finally figured some things out about how to do it. So that's kind of cool.
2: You know what, you, you do have a, a And I see that you've carried your breakfast with Kent Over to your YouTube channel uh, Like I said, you're you're about to become a major Influencer,
4: sir <laughs> Well, that, that And that's why I'm here, Tom For goodness <laughs> sake, you, you wouldn't have Some schlub on your show Oh, oh I my God. know I Only, only, A-listers, on, uh, with Tom only A-listers for me, man All the way All right, Kent, you have yourself a good <laughs> weekend We'll talk with you soon, buddy All right, bye-bye Bye-bye
2: Hi, who's this?
1: Hey, it's Steven.
2: Oh, hi, Steve. Uh, stand by. Didn't recognize the number. <laughs> well, Steve Wilson is in the balanced green room and a, and a number that I I didn't recognize. We'll be right back with Steve Wilson, as we know. <laughs> we'll be able to say it's, it's uh, Saturday morning. What, what can we... What can we say? Right here on the Balance Trail Network. We'll be right back.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna No more
1: I got the horses in the back. Horse is attached. Head is black got the is black on a horse can with-
0: The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be as far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition, to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I,
3: got, I, got. I can't believe it. i been playing 4-on-4 four four with a barber quartet. Pass the ball,
4: Pass the rock. We're open for
2: Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with
0: Geico.
2: Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance.
4: For more unbelievable Geico videos.
2: Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well.
1: Oh, hi. Uh hey. I seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so... I don't, I don't, you know, Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. you know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which of course in the Indonesian... Language. Oh, let me finish. You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Black rifle coffee. It's good.
2: Thanks to Kent Sterling for Kent uh jumping on with us and talking with us a little bit uh, about the Colts and the Pacers and, you know, what's going on with the Indianapolis 500. Joining us now, uh, calling from heaven, I think, is Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. Steve, how are you, sir?
5: I'm doing all right. Help yourself?
2: Uh, you showed up in, and I know I was just sent a screenshot, but you shot, you showed up in the screening room as one 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 one, and I'm like, okay, this is okay, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe God's calling the show today or something. But uh, anyway, it's all, it's all, it's all good. Typically, your your number shows up there, but it's all good. Are you ready to get your Dar, uh, Darlington stripe on this weekend, sir?
5: Yes, a few people already got it last night, but it's. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, it's it's always a good weekend when you go up to Darlington and smack up against the wall there.
2: <laughs> it's just it's just part of it. Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the NASCAR in Mother's Day weekend.
0: Well, it's
5: uh it's been a change this year with uh well really two train changes. Uh, Darlington officially gets two. Dates back on the Cup Series schedules, first time since 2004. Um, while yes, they did run a couple of races there last year, but that was due to COVID trying to NASCAR trying to get in all the races. And, uh, you know, they, they made some changes this year and actually brought two races back to the track and, uh, Uh, The the other change that we've got this year is uh, they've moved the throwback race from the Southern 500 weekend in Labor Day up to Mother's Day weekend and, um, you know, made a a little change to try and get a little different identity out of the race and uh, uh, shortened it down to 400 miles for the weekend on, uh, on Sunday for the Goodyear 400 and Uh, Darlington a couple of years ago when, when they did bring the Southern 500 back, they did run it on Labor Day before, I mean, sorry, on Mother's Day before they moved it finally back to Labor Day. But, um, so a couple of different, so some changes there. And, uh, I know a lot of fans and, uh, are out there are finally happy to see two races back again at Darlington
2: i tell you what, I love watching these truck races, uh, and, and I, I, I like the fact that they're really starting to increase in popularity. They're starting to increase in the visibility. But last night, after a 17-truck wreck effecti- effectively ended Kyle Bush's stranglehold on NASCAR's Camping World Truck Series, Sheldon Creed out-dueled both Ben Rhodes in, in the final two starts to win Friday night's lift kit for less com two hundred there at Darlington. What are your thoughts about last night's truck race, sir?
5: Well, I I mean there was there was uh, that seventeen truck accident and obviously put an end to a lot of good trucks there. Uh, about a hundred nineteen, hundred and twenty last into the race and uh we, we had seen some similar incidents, uh, some smaller incidents uh throughout the race, uh, leading up to that point, which which then uh at, at one point during the race uh, when uh, um, uh, Stuart Friesen was leading the race, he was asked on TV as to what he thought about being in the lead on, uh, on uh, all these restarts. And he remarked to the fact that some of the restarts had been, quote, unquote, a shit show. And that, that you know, we did see a lot of uh, bumping and banging and a lot of people checking up there. and. Um, Throughout these restarts and, you know, they're, they're really, really close and you go down there and sail off into turn one and, uh, you know, the track is not very wide. So, you know, some of these drivers have not. Uh, there was at least several drivers had never been to this track before. There was a couple of drivers that were there last year, uh, when NASCAR tried to get in all their races and stuff like that. So, you know, there was a mixture of um, people out there and, you know, people out there trying to do their best on, on, uh, trying to figure out Darlington because, uh, Darlington is, you know, such a high wear, uh, track on the tires and, is at a premium and you don't get it for very long so uh you know it, it was hot they were slipping and sliding around and you know it's uh you know it seemed like kind of the old darlington to me where you know uh a combination of factors played into uh you know some of these events and some of these accidents that we had out there but uh sheldon creed uh clicking off um, that first First $50,000 in the Triple Trunk Challenge, and uh, he won two and three last year in 2020, so he's well on his way this year.
2: We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, before we get over to Sunday's race and recap last week's uh, race out there in Kansas, let's talk a little bit about the Xfinity race. Uh, certainly, uh, we're in the in the mix of everything. Let's let's talk a little bit about Austin Cedric, Daniel Hemric, Harrison Burton, Jeb Burton, uh, Justin Haley, AJ Allmendinger, Matt Snyder, uh, Jeremy Clements, Justin Auger, and Noah Gregerson, which is a a Dale Jr. guy, uh, team uh, owner, team whatever. (laughs) What are are your thoughts as we round out the top ten there in the Xfinity Series going into Darlington?
5: Well, I do, I do think in the Xfinity series, I think you know, that we're, we're seeing a continued resurgence of college racing uh, again this year, that they seem to be one of the stronger teams. Um, you know, they 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 have three different drivers out there this year with Jeff Burton. They've got uh, A.J. dagger and they've got uh, uh, Justin Haley. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to ruin those those today, it. That is <laughs> me my head. Yeah, but you know they 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 have been very strong this year, and they kind of picked up where they left off last year. Uh, and I'm I'm really excited that you know we've seen Jeb Jeb Burton finally you know click off a win for for uh, for college racing and get back into the victory lane. And uh, you know it's it, it's it's obviously good for him, it's good for the team, and it just shows that how much that they're working over there to be better and get better every week and be really competitive and. You know, again, I think we, we've seen junior motorsports kind of struggle out there this year. We really haven't talked about uh, Justin Allgaier as much as we might normally talk about him. Uh, we've talked about uh, Noah Braxton to, to a point, but uh, some of those have really just been about uh, his continued issues throughout the year. And uh, it's a, it's been a struggle for them. So, uh, but, you know, he a look at Austin Cedric and Austin Cedric for Penske Motorsports himself. You know he he's getting a lot better and uh, he's competing for those wins and he's really picked up that banner where where him and Chase Briscoe fought for it for, for the Ford camp uh, in, in 2020 and uh, he's uh, well positioning himself for to take over of that seat for the 21 Wood Brothers team in 2022. So you know it's a, it's a continued you know effort by him to to continue staying. Uh, uh performance wise and competing for the wins and, you know, it, 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 it's a lot, it, there's a lot of talent out there right now within the Xfinity series and a lot of teams, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, are, 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 are going to be strong throughout the entire year. But I think at this point you got to kind of figure out, uh, at least on, sorry, on, uh, a uh, junior motor sports aside that they may have to uh, figure out what they need to do to get better. And, you know, we've not talked about, again, like I said earlier, we haven't talked about them as much as we have normally in the past and they've struggled and, you know, it's uh, maybe time to make a change over there is to figure out what's going on and, you know, get some, uh, you know, get better performance wise.
2: Uh, Steve, but uh in the, it come up in Richmond, which is your home track there, uh, Dale Jr. to run September 11th a uh, Richmond Xfinity Race. That came out this week. What are your thoughts on that?
5: Well, I think I think it's a really cool deal, but he's going to uh, go and come to Richmond. And, uh, you know, Richmond, Richmond was a track that was affected by 9-11, uh, you know, because it, it, it happened almost immediately after uh, that, back in that, you know, years ago. And uh you know it, 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 dale won the uh first if i remember correctly dale Jr. won the first race at dover after the uh uh after whole incident had happened in uh in nine eleven and uh, you know, it's it's good for to just, you know, kind of remember, you know, some of those things that happened in, a, a, you know, 9-11 and the people that we lost and just the tragedy that it was. But, you know, for somebody with a star power like Dale Jr. to, to kind of just reflect on that and kind of give this first responders a little nod to the fact of, uh, you know, what they went through and what they continue to go through even all these years later is, you know, just a, a really cool thing.
2: Oh, I think it's a, a great uh, thing, and, uh, and I saw the uh, just how they're going to be honoring 9-11, and I tell you, it reminds us of a time when our country uh, came together instead of divided, but that's another topic for another show at another time. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this weekend's uh, race there in Darlington, but let's look back last week in Kansas. Kyle Larson, I thought Kyle Larson had it wrapped up, but uh, – that wasn't the the to happen. What what is your recap there uh, with Kansas and what happened to K- uh, Kyle Larson? Um, it just everything got screwed up for him there at the end.
5: Yeah, I think it was just a combination of all the the ongoings there towards the end of the race. That uh, you know it just kind of you know NASCAR kind of puts up a premium sometimes on on these uh, restarts and you know it it kind of seems like you know the restart cycles but. You know really hurt him a little bit more and that you know he was able to get away and when he was able to get away and get out front have that clean air and he was able to to scoot away from the field pretty quickly, but you know it, it it's hard when when you've got a battle up there you know restart after restart, and you know there's just limited uh you know time with these shootouts and you know the the premium that sometimes put on these uh, restarts to to get out there and get a good start and you know anything can happen, but yeah, you know he was he was a strong, dominating factor all day long. I I, I kind of felt like the same way you did that, you know he could be potentially looking at a second win of the season, and uh, it, it, the chips just didn't fall that way. But you know it's it, it does show that you know Kyle Larson can come in, and even though he was gone for a majority of the year last year, and the the team and the equipment that they're putting behind him shows that, you know, they believe in him and they believe in his abilities and what he can do. And, obviously, he's already won at Vegas earlier this year. But, you know, coming into Kansas, it's it's, a, it's another mile-and-a-half track, but it's a little different than, than Vegas. But, you know, it's, he, he runs strong all year long. And, I, and, you know, other than the fact that Caldigo, which was a consult, there was an issue with um, – the team forgetting to do to um peel some piece uh feeler off the engine which caused it to explode but uh, overheat and explode but you know aside from that he's been strong and you know all year long and i you know i think it just he just came to kansas and in the same way and just continues um you know continue on throughout the rest of the year but you know i've been impressed by what kyle welson has done with hendrick meadows sports this quickly and, uh, you know, it's it's obviously, you know, it, it kind of, you know, for him, I'm sure he was kind of dejected at the end of the day and, you know, just how much he was able to dominate that race, but just couldn't finish it off.
4: Well, uh,
2: tomorrow they roll into uh, uh, Darlington there for the uh, Goodyear 400. Talk with us a little bit about the track, the layout, and how teams have to prepare to be successful there in Darlington.
5: Well, that, the track, um, again, is it, it grips at a premium. And, and these tires are gonna wear down really, really quickly. It's almost like a sandpaper effect underneath these tires that, you know, they just get scorched up really quickly and, uh, you know, there's only nothing you can do about it. But, you know, the, the thing is coming in tomorrow is, is that not only are you gonna have to worry about the tire wear, but same thing you're gonna have to worry about today in the Xfinity series is that they're telling you this, uh this race over into the daylight and it's going to be hot today it's going to be hot tomorrow and it's going to cause these tires again as they wear down for the flipping slide around it's going to be very very easy to get up into that wall and and get that darling to strike and you you're just going to have to you know it's going to have to be it's a game of you know tire management all day long and i think some of the best tire management uh uh drivers out there that we've we've seen uh it, it kyle larson is definitely one of them just you know as we talk about him but also take a look at denny hamlin he's been able to to win out there in both the xfinity series and the Southern 500 in, in uh previous years and uh you know you, you, it's going to be it's going to be a tire management race all day long and you know you're every time that there's a caution you're going to be wanting to come in and get four fresh tires on those cars because you're just not going to last and we saw that last night in the, I mean, sorry, in the truck series where, uh, there were a couple of drivers that on these, uh, very short, uh, um, between cautions where there wasn't very many laps put on the tires that they tried to stay out in front, didn't pit and they were just run over very, very quickly. And that's just how fast it happens and that these tires are being torn up is within just a matter of a handful of laps and, you know, even, even four or five, six, lap pressure tires are able to to run you over and that's just going to be the continued case uh, both today and tomorrow um, with these tires and the heat and uh, just how the track, you know, is there at Darlington.
2: You know, Kyle, uh, not Kyle Larson, I'm sorry, Kevin Harvick, you know, he's just uh, scratching and biting for every point in 2021. Uh, how can Darlington help him out and, uh, let's you know, let's talk a little bit and get a little bit of a preview of Darlington uh, as far as the, the standings go. Uh, but, I mean, Kevin Harvick just seems to not have found his groove yet, no pun intended.
5: Well, I mean, if you take a look at uh, the drivers that won two, uh, two-thirds of the races last year are still shut out uh, altogether. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of the same thing with Diddy Hammond, too, where he's had good runs. But he just hasn't been able to capitalize on them and get the victory lane. So you know, you, you have three drivers last year again that that won a, uh, almost a combination two thirds of all the races with Kevin Harvick winning the most. And, and I think it was something like seven races he won last year. And again, he's still sitting. He's still sitting to the point that he's got no wins and no victory lanes. And he did He did come to the. Uh, um, to the to the race last year when when uh, racing got started again last May after the COVID pandemic had began and, and he came to Darlington and he was able to win at Darlington mm-hmm. in, in that race yeah, and uh, you know it, it, you know but 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 Stewart Haas but Stewart Haas Racing this year has uh, has also struggled and well uh, Eric Albarola has uh, been you know another uh, has been the other person that you know has has kind of sh- tried to keep up with Kevin Harvick and, and has done probably just as well as Kevin Harvick and and I know the others, uh Cole Coaster and uh Chase Briscoe have struggled even fared even worse this year, but uh, you know, it's it's kind of been Kevin Harvick and Eric Almond uh, you know, for lack of a better term, leading leading the way for Stuart Haas racing and the little bit of effort that they've been able to put together this year and uh while, while- kevin harvick uh uh, uh finished second um was it, last week or Talladega or something what I, sorry i'm I, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head I didn't write anything down no, you're fine. you know kevin harvick you know kevin Harvick does have a runner up in the last couple of weeks and you know it, it, you know again they're they're struggling as an organization too and you know we're we're seeing that across the board with them and you know may, maybe Darlington is his turnaround, you know, maybe he looks back to last year and figures out what they did last year and is able to capitalize on that tomorrow afternoon, but uh, it's just not a Kevin Harvick thing, it's a Stuart Haas racing thing, and they've all seemed to struggle this year.
2: Well, you know, certainly this could be the week that Kevin Harvick turns it around. Uh, as certainly he's won, like you like he mentioned, he's won two out of the three races at Darlington. And, you know, anytime Harvick and crew chief uh, Rodney Childers have some sort of a semblance of momentum, I think the field uh, should uh, definitely be on high high alert. Uh, what about Denny Hamlin uh, winning uh, the second and shortest uh, Darlington race last year, of course, it was Denny Hamlin. Hamlin? Hamlin? I just cannot talk today. It's not in the cards. Uh, The current Cup Series leader uh, is a true ace of the lady in the black, if you will
5: no i mean you look what he's done in the southern 500 and you look what he's done in the xfinity series races over the last couple of years in september and i mean he's been able to come in there and just dominate those races and and it's just something that he's been figured out out there and i think what other thing is is you figured out how to manage his tires better than somebody else along with the help of the team and their notes the so, you know, try and, you know, work with him on the, his driving style to to really just keep a, a managed tire underneath of him. And uh, he doesn't seem to burn those tires off as fast as other people. And I think it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it was kind of like a similar, uh, similar with uh, John Hunter Nemechek last night, where it just seemed like, uh, you know, he was able to run longer, run faster and get away from people as, as times were slowing down, he was still opening the gap. And, you know, that seems to be what Denny Hamlin has done over the last couple of years and, uh, watching him out there at, in the Xfinity race and winning the Southern 500. And, you know, it just, it's just, it's just been, uh, intriguing to watch him come to a track like that. And, you know, there's, few drivers, there's far few drivers these days that have to worry about tire management. Most of these drivers are, are so used to getting into cars these days and, and tires lasting an entire run or, you know, in the Argus, uh, Argus areas or something like that where tires run an entire 100 laps or an entire event or whatever the case may be. And, you know, there's few there's fewer and fewer drivers these days that seem to know what tire management is. And, you know, Denny Hamlin seems to be Well, he's an old-school driver, and, you know, he, he knows what tire management is. So, you know, he's able to come in there, and I really do think that's one of the keys to his success.
4: You know,
2: Steve, uh, real quickly before we have to wrap it up and put a bow on it, what a rough couple of weeks it's been for uh, Joey Logano. You know, on the, uh, in, back in April on the 25th, he was sent flying through the air before landing on his roof at Talladega and finished 39th. At Kansas, the number 22 team was a complete non-factor. And, again, here we go into Darlington. and Joey Logano has to battle from the back. They, uh, what is going on in that camp there with Wood Brothers?
5: Well I, Pens, uh, yeah, I don't right, know what. Penske. but yeah. I don't know what's going on <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know what's going on with him. I mean it's it's very strange uh to see that and uh, I I really don't know. I, I wish I did know and I mean yeah, I mean at at um You're talking about at uh, Talladega, you know, where within just one or two laps into the race, he's already sitting on his roof and out out for the day. But, I mean, that isn't the first time he's had incidents, right, all year. And they've just struggled all year. Um, Don't know why. It just has seemed to be a struggle for them everywhere they go.
2: Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Steve, where can people find your working masterpieces, sir?
5: Follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com/speedwaydigest, and SpeedwayDigest.com All
2: right, Steve. Real quickly, before we let you go, uh, we still know what's going on with the credentials out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But I will be out at the track. It's the month of May, uh, and uh, the Indianapolis 500 will have 40% capacity. You still got to wear a mask. You still, you know, even though you're outside, you still got to wear a mask and you're around. But it's still going to be around 100,000 uh, people. It's just last year it was so surreal, and I know we talked about it many times, but last year was just so surreal to not have anybody in the stands. And as I mentioned earlier, I was one of thousands of people outside the gates uh, there at 16th and Georgetown. It's amazing that they can have all these thousands of people outside the gates but they couldn't have it inside. But I think we're starting to see – some sort of uh, return to normalcy, if you will, and I, I know that that we've had it. We've seen where a few tracks have actually, you know, said, "Hey, uh, we're going to open up." So, the, the, I mean, I think there's three tracks that have uh, fully opened up their grandstands, anyway. So, uh, uh, what are your thoughts uh, for the uh, thoughts on the 500, and we're going to seg way into uh, Tony Donahue coming up next. Go ahead, sir.
5: Yeah, no, you know, it's a, it's really strange that, you know, that, that place is a massive facility. I mean, I've never been there. You can probably put any in better perspective than I can. But I mean, it's a massive facility that seats something that, what, like 350,000 people mm-hmm. or something like that or whatever right. it is. Uh, and, and you can only have 40%. I mean, that, you know, again, you know, we can get into political discussion another day on the, you know, kind of mm-hmm. the, you know, the discussion of that. But I, I do honestly think that they could open it up more. And from NASCAR's perspective, um Pocono, Darlington, Kansas and uh, Daytona coming up in the second half of the year are all gonna open up at hundred percent. So we're we're starting to see on on the NASCAR side one hundred percent opening of grandstands and yes, there will be continued uh mask wearing, there'll be continued cashless payments and things like that, but we are moving closer and closer. Towards you know full normalcy and at least four tracks right now planning to open up their their grandstands in the second half of the year fully to to the stand uh, to the fans.
2: You're right. It is a massive massive facility. I mean, it has the ability. It does have a full uh, medical facility and a full hospital there. It has a full golf course there. Uh, it, they have everything on on grounds that that you could possibly imagine, and it's. Two and some odd miles around, but when you go to the the outer infills and out in the back of Turn Three, it is mammoth, and it's located in Speedway, which is Indianapolis. It's right up up against Indianapolis, but the the town of Speedway's population increases five times during a regular month of May. That tells you the uh, the mammoth uh, part of the race that is. Steve Wilson, we appreciate you joining us. You have yourself a good weekend. Don't forget to wear your mask.
5: <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, you too
2: Everybody, will to see you Dave Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest Our official uh, NASCAR contributor Joins us in talking some NASCAR And talking about getting our darlings in strife. Uh Coming up next Tony D- Donahue from the Tony B Podcast could be so We're going to be talking some more in detail About the Indianapolis 500 and IndyCar Right here on the Balance Radio Network
3: Midnight T-top Jack in her cherry coat pan Mama and Daddy put the roots right here Cause this is where the car broke down dog school bus, kicking up red bus Kicking us up by a barbed wire fence MTV on the RCA, no
2: AC
4: in the vents We were Jesus, Sammy, Blue Jean, baby
0: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
2: Morning, face, You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Good
0: morning, guys. Good morning. Hello. What is oh, that thing?
3: It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks! Run. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me! No, oh, they're winning my eyes. We're moving.
2: It's called beauty sleep for a reason.
1: fresh roasted, so I don't, I don't you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa le piquet. which of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. You no, know, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Of Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter, because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it, They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
2: Uh, We're rolling into our final quarter of the game. Thank you, Kent Sterling of KentSterling.com, jumping on with us, talking with us a little bit about the Colts and the Pacers, also about the Indianapolis 500 As We're getting ready to get into that conversation here in just a moment with Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR uh, contributor, talking with us about Darlington and what's going on uh, there with Darlington. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir?
3: Good. How are we doing this morning?
2: Hey, man, it is the first Saturday in the month of May here in Indianapolis. You can't get any more excited than that.
3: Yeah, that is for sure. Um, the weather's been a little iffy, so hopefully that starts to clear up here over the next couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, next Saturday is race day here in here in Indianapolis, so that's always a good sign. It's
2: also race day and my second va- vaccination day. All on the same day. And, you know, I... I'm going to be there. I haven't heard on my credentials, but we were uh, able to be one of the people that were allowed to go ahead and purchase tickets. So we wanted to make sure that we were there. So we're going to uh, definitely be there. Let's let's start things off. And uh, Unfortunately, as we started off the, the first segment, it was, was kind of somber talking about uh, uh, quarterback Sam Ellinger's uh, brother being uh, found uh, in Texas dead, obviously teammate at the University of Texas. First of all, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: I mean, just sad, you know. Anytime something like that happens, and I think it kind of touches home here since uh, Sam was just drafted by the Colts. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it just seems like every day we wake up and and, and somebody at some point is, is passing, and you know, part of that's just a way of life. But you know, it's just sad that this stuff just happens too soon
2: yeah and as we talked about with Kent you know the Colts had a huge fundraiser uh you know obviously prior to this you know talking about mental illness and you know we certainly don't want to throw speculation out there because they, they haven't said the actual cause but they also said it wasn't suspicious so it doesn't take long, long to connect the dots that something unfortunate happened in his life and and we certainly uh our prayers and thoughts are with their family And let's also talk about uh the Unser family and you know certainly uh You can't be around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or even around IndyCar without remembering uh, the racing legend uh, Bobby Unser, who died at at 87. Let's talk a little bit about the life and the legacy of Bobby Unser.
3: Yeah, everybody loved Bobby. I mean, he was so good on the racetrack, obviously winning three Indy 500s, numerous pike peaks, hills climbs, um, was a fun ever pheasant. Person was great in the broad, broadcast booths when he was doing Indy 500s. Um, I think what comes to mind is seeing, uh, you know, the 1987 call when he was up there and, and Al Sr. won. Um, and just his emotion being able to talk to Al. And, you know, Al and Bobby are, are brothers, but but they're very different. Al's very soft-spoken, very quiet, very shy. Bobby is out there, um, you know, likes to be in the spotlight. I got to work with Bobby um, a few years back, right around the one hundred five hundred, um, we did a little little event with him and got to interview him, and he was super nice. just talked about how much he loved Indy and loved being the first person in the infield with his motorhome uh, to set up shop for the month, um, which is just a great spirit that loved and, 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 and really worshipped and, and, and sacrificed a lot of things in his life to get to Indianapolis and then to win it three times. Um, you know, was 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 one hell of an accomplishment, as we know, and uh, just, just just sad to see him go. Um, you know, I thought about my friend Robin Miller, who who is now lost has lost Uncle Bobby and, and Slick Leonard over the last month, and how tough that is uh, for for a lot of sports fans here um, in, in Indianapolis. So um, just a great spirit, a great competitor, a great person, and a, and a great ambassador of the Indianapolis 500.
2: You're right, and certainly uh, Robin Miller is a, is a legend in his own right, but, you know, he's a storyteller, and i love to hear uh, uh, Al, uh, I mean, to, to hear the stories that he he talks about, Robert Miller I'm talking about. And you, you mentioned uh, Al's brother, Brother Al, Al's son, Little Al. Uh, certainly they've had their problems within the family, but they found a way to be very successful at the Indianapolis 500. Don't know for sure what will happen, but we'll think that, Doug Bolts and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway will find a way to pay tribute to uh, uh, Bobby Unser uh, in this year's Indianapolis 500. So let's talk a little bit uh, more about what's going on with the, uh, with, uh, I'm sorry, with IndyCar and the Indianapolis 500. Uh, you know, here recently we saw where uh, uh, Foyt signed Hillebrand and Larry Foyt says uh, hiring J.R.R. Hillebrand is the fourth. For the fourth, A.J. Ford racing Chevrolet at the Indianapolis 500 makes all the sense in the world. I guess my question is, do you think J.L. Hillebrand can win? If he can, you talk about a comeback, especially when he almost won it so many years ago. Not so many years ago, but a few years ago.
3: Yeah, I know. It's hard to believe that J.R. is 10 years removed from um, that last lap incident in the 2011 Indy 500. Here's the thing with Jr. I think Jr. is technically savvy enough to win the race. He knows how to set up a race car. He's going to have to improve in qualifying. Um, he, he, you know, with, with Ryan Rheinboll, he was always setting up the race car instead of the qualifying car. But with this new car, the trim, and the way that it, that that it doesn't pass, you're gonna to have to start it up towards the front. It's a beautiful looking car. It throws it back to AJ Ford's 1961 Indianapolis 500 win. Um, JR could technically win this race and, and I think it would, it would be on a few mileage, a smart drive. It's going to be tough because it's so tough for any one-off driver who's just running the 500 to win the, to win. It's it just, it's just so tough to do and come in and be competitive against the guys that have the budget that are there full time. Um, you know, Usually in the past, in probably the last ten years, I would count him out just for being on AJ Foyt's team. Uh, Foyt Enterprises just hasn't been where they thought that they should have been. They had one good run about four years ago with Tony Kanaan. He led laps before before uh, crashing off turn two. Um, but I'll, but I'll say this: if he does it it, it, it it'll be a long shot. But it would be one of those fuel mileage has the car set up perfectly for the end and battles the war of attrition to get to the front. Uh, Can he do it? Yes. Will he do it? Probably not.
2: You know, Jimmy Johnson, retired from NASCAR, becomes a rookie with IndyCar. Now he's in the uh, uh, television crew with Danica Patrick as part of the coverage of the Indianapolis 500. NBC Sports announced this, that they'll have a new addition to the broadcast team for the 105th running of the Indianapolis uh, 500. Obviously, he retired from NASCAR. I mean, he's running the road courses. And first of all, what are your thoughts about uh, his performance as an IndyCar driver in the races that he's been? And it, it's going to be kind of cool to see him uh, sitting side by side with Denny Patrick in the in the broadcast booth.
3: Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, is like, look, we knew that Jimmy Johnson wasn't going to come in right away and start winning races. We just, we just knew that it's just not going to happen. It's not how it goes. It's a huge learning curve. He has to literally take everything that he learned in NASCAR and kind of throw it to the side, whether it's acceleration, whether it's um, the technical side of things, you know, protecting the car. And NASCAR, if you're on a road course, you can go off-road and beat and bag with each other and be just fine. IndyCar, you you certainly can do it. His lap times haven't been too bad. He'll be up to speed. Um, You know, he may struggle at the Grand Prix because it's one of the fastest road course circuits on the IndyCar schedule. But, but, but when he goes to Detroit, a place where it, it, it's kind of similar to St. Pete where he just gained some experience, I think he'll start gaining more and more confidence, and, and you'll see him um, itching towards that top ten. Um, but, that, you know, that just, those results just aren't going to come overnight. But he's doing, what he's doing more than anything is he's bringing new, new people, new viewers to the, to the track, to the, to, the, to the TV audience, and he's really selling IndyCar. He's a lot of fun to follow on Twitter. And he's awesome for eighty cars in sporting hole right now.
2: Hey, certainly, let's talk a little bit about some of uh, the, the 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 wins and, and the races this year. What are some of the highlights and some of the big wins that we've seen so far this year? What are some of the stories that we're looking at going into the Indianapolis five hundred?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody, you know, no matter what, a storyline is always going to be Scott Dixon. Can he get his second one at the five hundred? You and I talked about this last year. It's kind of hard to believe that. This dude only won one Indianapolis 500. You know, you, you think about all of his career accomplishments, how great he's been at so many different um, racetracks and, and winning championships, and it's just it's it, it's it's a big storyline to see if guys think can get a second. Uh, also, I think what it would be a cool storyline is watching the drivers that could break a, 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 a really, really old record. I think a record that goes mm-hmm. back to 1954, and that's the youngest right. Indianapolis 500. 1952. Can it be 1952? So it could be Colton Herda. Yeah. It could mm-hmm. be um, Pato, Pato Ward has a chance at that. Right. Green VK. So mm-hmm. um, that, I think it's a storyline that maybe isn't talking about, hasn't been talked about too much right now, but certainly is a storyline that will be coming up because – Award has proved he can get it done on the oval. We know how great Colton Herta is. And Renus VK qualified in the top nine last year at the 500 um, and and was in the top four before having a bad pit stop. So um, I think that's another storyline as well. And I think people are excited to see what Juan Pablo Montoya can do in his return with Arrow McLaren uh, SP. Mm -hmm. And then people are excited to see what Elio Castro-Nemis can do away from a Penske ride. So there's plenty of storylines heading into the month of May. You know,
2: you gotta really like Paddle Award and what he's doing, and certainly Colton Herta. These are two drivers that I think stand out as must-watch drivers. Do you think that there's a possibility that 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 they'll be in the in the in the top five, or if not a pole, both or one of those those guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the race last year, um, despite the fact there really wasn't a lot of passing up towards the front. Um, Pato Award had was I think I think was or if not was top three fastest in carbon day practice. He had overall I think the best crew on race day, and that moved him up and and, and he finished inside of the top seven if I'm not mistaken, maybe even fifth. Award um, can do it, Colton can do it. So Colton really didn't get to run his first 500. He had technical issues and was knocked out on lap eight. Then he comes back last year. And finishes in the top ten. Had a solid day. And Dreddy, and Dreddy Autosport really didn't contend throughout any any of the race last year. Rossi was up there at one point, but obviously he ends up wrecking out. So um, I think Paddle can do it. I think Colton can do it. Um, and, and, and I think the confidence that both of those drivers have gained from the first four races of the season, it's, you know, momentum is huge in any sport, whether it's basketball, baseball, auto racing if you have momentum on your side it, 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 you, you you can't falsely generate that momentum it has to come with results and Colton Hurd and Paddle Awards certainly have that um that, that drive that young ambition to go for it and they're going to have the cars underneath them to be able to do it so I think they do certainly have a chance
2: you know, it's 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 good to see drivers succeed, and I, I certainly wish all the success in the world to award. But we did see him do some testing with Formula One. Should we be looking over our shoulders? Should there any is there is there a story? And this seems like a big distraction for him uh, going into uh, the Indianapolis Five
3: Hundred. Yeah, and I mean this has also been brought up with Colton as well. as is, is you know uh, is Formula One going to come calling? I think Pato has a better chance. Uh, in 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 the in the near in the nearest future to maybe go test and maybe have a drive in Formula One, um, but again, you know, is it worth it for either of these drivers to go over to Formula One and run 10th or 12th and not be competitive, or stay here in the Indianapolis 500 in, in an IndyCar and have a competitive run for the next 15 to 20 years? So, um, I, I think they're both going to flirt with the waters. I think Pato is a lot closer than what Colton is. Um, as far as the distraction, I just, I just think it shows and, and gains confidence for both of these drivers that they are even mentioned to be possibly rumored to go to Formula One, and that certainly has to gain your confidence as a driver. You know, a lot of
2: people look at Texas and Indianapolis Motor Speedway as very similar tracks, although they're very, very different. And they're very similar in the fact that they're very, very fast oval we saw a preview of what could happen here in Indianapolis in Texas last week, and that occurred when, when uh, Philip Hawley's Dale Coin Racing uh, with uh, his uh, HMR Honda hit the back of Sebastian Bourday's AJ Foyt Racing Chevy, turning it into the Andretti car of Alexander Rossi. Rossi. Philip Hawley said the car's in front of his checklist, leaving him nowhere to go and suffered a minor sprain, finger in the impacts that follow. Now we remember not too long ago, Phil Polly was in a pretty serious wreck that almost ruined his racing career. This also, we saw Connor Daly get in the mix uh, with all of this, James Hinchcliffe as well. We we could say that was the big one. And that could be a preview of what could happen here in Indianapolis.
3: You know, I talked to Larry Ford about this on Wednesday because he had a lot of crash damage uh, all weekend at, Andronia, or at uh, A.J. Ford Racing. Um, and, and, and Jerry Hildebrand said it, too. The difference between Texas is they didn't really bunch them up. They didn't really, you know, they didn't really bunch them up until late coming off turn four. At Indy, you know, they say, you know, keep 100 yards between the rows and line up on the back straightaway and get it going. So um, I would be shocked if we saw a wreck before the green flag at the five hundred, but. You're right. You never know when you get a young guy who's never done it before and is anxious to gain positions at the start like Cedipaldi was over the weekend because he knows that passing is very limited at Texas because of that PJ1 compound and, and not having that second groove. Um, you got to go for it, and he saw that. And then Connor saw a hole to try to gain some spots, uh, and he ended up in the mess as well. So um, I don't think that we will see that, but it's certainly possible. It certainly looms uh, with, the, w- with the opportunity.
2: How exciting was it to see uh, Robert Wickens uh, back in a race car? Obviously, we remember his terrible uh, wreck that he had out in Pocono back in 2018, and a lot of people thought he may never even walk again, again let alone get in a race car, and obviously testing a uh, Brian o- Auto sport Autosport Hyundai uh, there in mid-Ohio. Uh, certainly Wickens was a rising star in the IndyCar Series uh, back in its 2018 rookie season, certainly was cut short by that horrifying crash in Pocono. What are your thoughts, Uh, uh, Wickens back in the race car?
3: Yeah, no, that's super cool. Uh, You know, it it was a long time coming for him. Um, um, You know, it's just one of those things where, you're you're so glad to see it. It's, it's obviously not him fully back, but it is it is a chance to test to get back behind the wheel of a race car, and it is possible in sports cars to um, have the you know the the hand the hand brakes and the hand. Um, yeah, that's, that was certainly something really fun to see, and uh, looking forward to seeing him back in competition.
2: Well, Andretti confirms that Stefan Wilson, obviously the younger brother of Justin Wilson, we know him very well. And Justin lost his life tragically a few years ago. Uh, certainly, uh, that the loss of Justin Wilson uh, will be remembered in the IndyCar world forever. And he certainly, his loss is one of the reasons that they have redesigned the 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 structure of the IndyCar to give it that arrow the the non-open faced if you will uh but stefan Wilson will enter the indianapolis 500 for a third time for, uh, for a second time driving in the andretti Autosports honda
3: yeah looking forward to it steph's a really really cool guy um his his story obviously as you mentioned uh, when it comes to justin and i get to interview him on tuesday and you know everything that he does is is, is it, towards the appreciation and, and the honor of his brother and um, you know, it 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 it's it, it's funny but I asked him, I said, you know, what concerns you have you've never driven with this aero screen and he said, I'm looking forward to it because if if you've ever walked past Steph Wilson, he's the tallest guy on the paddock. He's taller than Graham Ray Hall. He's about six three, six four. I mean dude's taller than me. And Is he as tall as his brother? His brother was pretty tall too. Yeah, he's a little bit taller than his brother and, and, and he said, you know, for me. Um, he said, for me, you know, we never really knew, but I always thought that I, you know, the arrow that was that was, in the wind would hit my helmet a little bit differently because I was so tall. And, you know, it, maybe that's slowed me down a little bit. So that problem kind of goes away and, and levels the playing field. So he's chomping at the bit, ready to get back out there. And I'm excited to see Steph in at a, at a great ride for Andretti Autosport. I know he'll make the most of it. He's excited to be back out there. So that um, gets you to, to 34 cars. We should have another one confirmed here uh asap to get to 35 and and possibly 36 and we'll have some bumping on bump day
2: well i I tell you i'm really excited
3: to to be able to be out
2: there at 16th and georgetown i'm going to get uh, my uh urinal uh uh t-shirt you know that they got sell. <laughs> yeah is, is it bad that I, i'm I'm looking forward to going to the bathrooms there at the indianapolis motor speedway <laughs> you
3: know um I, that was kind of one of your um you know, especially for me as a kid, like uh, like an adult moment, you're like, "What is this? I've never seen this before." <laughs> uh, and and there there are still some racetracks in this state and around the country that are that are smaller, older tracks that still have trough. Um, you know, and and people would get drunk and dive into those things. We saw it at Wrigley Field, but uh, what what? It, just a great just a great t-shirt, great promotion, great fun behind oh, yeah. it. Um, and uh, I'm sure they I'm sure those will sell out, and we'll be seeing you rocking one. Uh, come here in the next oh, couple of. You'll weeks.
2: definitely see me be rocking one. That's uh, that's that's for sure. And I tell you what, you don't know fun until you've been out on the hot hundred degree weather and turn three at the at the at the restrooms out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I tell you what, though, it is exciting. You know, we make jokes about it, but it is exciting. There was so much work that was done. For, for the public to see last year that they weren't able to see, that they're going to be able to see uh, this year. So, you know, what, I mean, what what are your thoughts on how Penske's uh, come in and, and, and taken over the track and, and did the repairs and certainly a lot of things uh, for the positive, uh, what, but what do you think is probably going to be the most notable um, repair or, or model that's been done out there at the Indianapolis Motor
3: Speedway? Yeah, I mean, I just think that you'll just see upgrades everywhere, whether it's fresh paint or newly refurbished concession stands and restrooms, um, the new video board and Pagoda Plaza and video boards around the racetrack. It's just, it's for like lack of a better term, it just had a makeover. And there's going to be things that you see that it's just like, wow, this is really cool. And, and and other things that you're going to be like, Oh, I didn't know this was happening. So, um, Really cool by Roger Penske to do this and, and, and really put his hard-earned money and time and investing into this racetrack that, that really has given him so much. And for him to be able to give back and have the means to do it is pretty cool.
2: You know, as you mentioned at the very beginning of this segment, next weekend is Grand Prix weekend. Uh, let's talk a little bit. While we've got a few more minutes here uh, before we have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. But let's get a preview of next week's Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway.
3: Yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be fun. It's one of the fastest uh, road road courses on the circuit. Um, you're going to have to qualify up front, as we saw last year, um, in the two grand prix's, uh, the the Harvest Festival, so to, so to speak. Um, Scott Dixon has never won on the road course in Indy, which also is crazy. So we'll see if he can get that done. A Warden Herta are going to be up there fighting for it. Renis VK ran very well here um, in race number one on that Friday back in October. Um, and, and, and we'll see if guys like Alexander Rossi, Felix Rosenquist, uh, some of these drivers that, that have found themselves kind of in a, in, in a hole to start the season can start pulling their way out over the next three weeks.
2: We've been talking with Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, we appreciate you joining us. What are you guys working on this week on the pod?
3: Uh, yeah, we're just going to continue to, to look towards the Indy Five Hundred. Um, I'll have you updated on com almost every day with stuff, um, just, just just, getting previews together um, and, and, and what to watch out for. And, and then we're going to talk about just the experience, like you mentioned, going out to the track and, and seeing what's new out there and how it feels.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely check out Tony. It's one of the best podcasts you, you'll listen to. There you go, sir. There's your,
3: there's your plug for the day. Have <laughs> yourself it. a good weekend, Tony. We really appreciate you. We'll talk to you next Saturday from the world's greatest race course. Yes,
2: sir. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
3: See you. Tony
2: Donahue, Tony D Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. In, our, in, in certainly if you're listening to our podcast, hit subscribe. Give us five stars. Tell us how awesome uh, that we are so that we know how awesome that you are. See how that works. You go awesome. We go awesome. Let's just how we all go awesome. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Kit Sterling from uh, KitSterling.com, certainly helping us break down some uh, news from the Colts, some sad news from the Colts, but also breaking down the draft picks, uh, some, some NBA talk, some Pacer talk. Uh, appreciate him joining us and certainly uh, talking with us a little bit about the Indianapolis 500. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, helps us break down what was going on in Darlington. And then, as we just mentioned, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Uh, joined us in helping us break down the Indianapolis 500. It is the month of May and it's going to be an old track record. I don't know, but it's going to be fun to be out out there and uh, and we it, it, it hope that you guys will follow us on social media at T-Balance and on uh, Facebook, The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis El Presidente. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs>